This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Jen Schwartz is a strength and injury specialist who works with Alexandria Soccer, a community-based club that offers both recreational and competitive soccer opportunities for over 4,000 children and adults in Alexandria, Virginia. I was first introduced to Alexandria Soccer when I met 343 coaching member Ryan Rich in Las Vegas at our first coaching summit. And at the time, if I'm not mistaken, I think Ryan was just coaching for the club. He might have had a bigger role, but I can't really remember exactly. But now I know for sure that Ryan is the technical director at Alexandria Soccer. And Ryan, funny story, was one of my first guests when I first started this podcast almost three years ago. He was on the show before I even had a microphone and well before I had a clue of how to run a podcast. But since meeting Ryan in Las Vegas and interviewing him just shortly after, I've kept an eye on his work at Alexandria Soccer, and that is how I eventually found Jen, today's guest. Jen is a master level muscle activation technique specialist who absolutely loves the process and the work that goes into preparing the body for a game day and recovering properly for training. Jen takes an innovative approach to increasing speed, recovery, flexibility, and strength. And she is responsible for sharing all that she knows with the athletes and the coaches at Alexandria Soccer. And I say the coaches because she has a funny story of how she's actually worked with some of the coaches in a, in a different way. But During our conversation, Jen and I talked about some tips to help players recover during and after long weekend tournaments, some myths about stretching and how you should actually activate your muscles either before practice or before games. And we touched on a whole lot more. If I went through and I touched on everything right now, this intro would be longer than the entire podcast. But uh, you can find links to to Jen's Twitter and her website and the write-up for this podcast that is available on 343coaching.com. And I highly, highly, highly recommend following Jen on social media. She posts a lot of good uh, studies and articles, and she is just a fountain of knowledge. She's actually uh, very interactive on on Twitter as well. So if you, if you wanted to start a conversation with her, ask her a question about a certain topic, uh, she is probably more than likely going to respond to you. So uh, make sure you give her a follow. And like I said, the the links for all of her profiles and everything about her can be found on 343coaching.com. And just a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by the 343 Coaching Education Program. And your support as a member of the 343 Coaching Education Program is actually what funds this podcast. So if you are a coach in the 343 Coaching Education Program, not only are you getting an education that transforms you into a far better coach from the guys who have gone through that same transformation themselves and are now considered among the top in the country, but you are also helping sustain and develop this podcast. You are helping us keep the lights on. And if you're not a member and you're wondering what a 343 membership can offer you, it is the complete online resource that will help you reduce your trial and error time and help you get right to the work that matters. You will learn the cutting edge training techniques that have been proven to develop better and smarter players and better and smarter teams right here in the United States. And the 343 Coaching Education Program gives you insider access to exclusive videos of training sessions and full games with additional education from ebooks, audio interviews, question and answer sessions. And there's also online forums for networking and collaboration with other 343 members from around the nation. 
to learn more and explore all of the benefits of being a member of the 343 Coaching Education Program, visit 343coaching.com. That's the numbers 343coaching, all spelled out, dot com. All right, let's get into today's episode with Jen Schwartz. Enjoy. Hey, Jen. Hey. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay, cool. Let me uh, just move my phone around really quick. <coughs> All right, cool. So uh, I sent you a text, uh, I don't know, like 45 minutes ago asking if there was any concerns or last-minute questions, and you said you're all good, so you just want to yeah. get started? <laughs> sure. Okay. Let me uh, I'm gonna turn up your volume. Real quick, can you, uh, just for like a sound check, can you maybe just tell me what you had for breakfast this morning? Okay. Um, I guess I fasted a little bit this morning, but then my first meal was close to 11, and I had a salmon patty with quinoa and hot sauce, and then (laughs) (laughs) coffee. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, well, the healthy audio levels pe- look good. Healthy people love the hot sauce because everything else is <laughs> Of course, I actually that that's an interesting spot to uh, to maybe start off because fasting is like super bougie right now. Like everybody's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> is that something new for you, or have you been doing it for a while? No, it's new. It's new. Yeah, I yeah, I, it's um more of a experiment i love the n equals one uh type of thinking when it comes to that so when people ask me about things i love to be able to say i've tried it um it was fun or it was miserable or it was enlightening so (laughs) we'll see yeah so i'm doing it a couple times a week and implementing that where did where did you first start hearing about that? Ooh, oh my goodness! Well, and the reason I and the reason why I asked yeah. the reason why I asked Jen is because I'm I'm curious where somebody like you would get information from. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm a podcast uh, junkie. I think it, you know, and I an audio book. I'm like I, I love the audio component of uh, learning nowadays. I, I think it's awesome. So. I first heard about it from a guy named Chris Kresser um, with a K and he has a great platform that looks at functional medicine and he wants to take on conventional healthcare as it is. So his reach is for people that are really sick and that can't find the answers that they are looking for. Um, And then there's a a whole other arm of what he does that is for people like me that, that encounter these sick people on a daily basis. And we want to be able to give them some type of resource or answer their questions in any way. Um, Not saying he wants us all doing diagnostic testing or anything (laughs) like that, but he called 
Yeah, he calls it like the allied health professional like network of things. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, I, I, I deal with so many different people on a pretty regular basis through the soccer club and through my practice. So, um, yeah, I, f- I find his resources, you know, very helpful because people really do have a lot of questions and they're very curious about their health. So um, conventional medicine isn't answering any of it. So, um, yeah. It's really funny that you, it's super funny that you mentioned his name because I recently had blood work done and I was on my way, actually not on my way. I was waiting to, uh, to go to my doctor's office to get my, my test results. And I happened to be watching an episode of the Joe Rogan podcast and Chris Kesser, was the guest oh, yeah. and so he yeah. starts talking about like LDL and HDL and all kinds of stuff that you mm-hmm. should be looking for in your blood tests and what your doctor will typically tell you and what his thoughts on all that stuff were and I was like holy crap how am I seeing this 30 minutes before I'm supposed to go to the office and talk to my doctor <laughs> and my doctor yeah. is like this dinosaur he's I don't know he must be at least 80 <laughs> years old and so he starts talking 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 and then hands me the paper with all my my lab results on it. And I'm like, there's a bunch of stuff that's just missing from this. I feel like like, there's just numbers that aren't on here that I feel like should be. Mm -hmm. And, and so I've, I've been more into it the last, uh, I don't know, two and a half months, three months, maybe. That's just so funny. Mm -hmm. There's a common connection there. Yeah, no, he's, he's literate in the Eastern and the scientific stuff. Um, I, I totally, I've been listening to him for years. I have a lot of respect for him. And does any of his work cross over into your specialties? And, and maybe we can get into what your specialties are as well. Yeah, I think so. Because my specialty is the muscular system. And really the, the nervous system and the muscular system is called the neuromuscular system. So... That system, neuromuscular system, is the second largest thing in your body system. So it's a, it's a supercomputer, and it is affecting your life every single step and every breath that you take. Uh, the skin is the first biggest organ of the body, so the nervous system is second. So when... People come and see me with various musculoskeletal aches, pains, problems in general, um, or even these hidden uh, issues with their exercise that they're trying to figure out. It can come down to their how they how they live day to day. Um, specifically. Uh, I do deal with a lot of nerve issues um, on my clients. So how the nerves conduct and the speed that they conduct is directly affected to your health and your electrolyte balance and your hydration. Um, The other thing is all the big pharmaceuticals uh, that a lot of people are on affect your muscular system. So um, the, what do you call it? The, the uh oh gosh this the the <laughs> medicines that people take they're called a it's it's a proton inhibitor so people take these medications like prilosec to help their stomach acid or they think it's like an over 
production of stomach acid. So that's why their stomach like burns. So those, um, the, that class of medications affects your muscular system, uh, your sleep, which also affects your neurotransmitters, which affects your muscular system, um, affects your mineral balance. One of the main, uh, you know, things in our blood and our muscles is called magnesium. And there's, and it's in our bones as well. Major deficiencies in magnesium are seen in all sorts of classes of medical uh, chronic diseases like diabetes, stroke, uh, all kinds of stuff. All the major chronic diseases have an association with low magnesium and low vitamin D. All these medications that um, big pharmaceuticals that are trying to fix chronic disease like blood pressure, cholesterol, the stomach acid problems, they all affect, they all have a, a negative influence on your blood magnesium levels. So that affects the nervous system and the muscular, muscular system directly. Uh, I could keep going. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's, it, so yeah, his stuff definitely helps me give that message to people that they have to reevaluate their medication. And just like, antidepressants, um, the cholesterol medications aren't meant to be long-term use. They're not designed for that. Like ex they're designed, you know, the cholesterol stuff, like that's designed to be with exercise and diet. And that's, you know, that's a good system for lowering these, you know, cholesterol readings, but instead they're just leaving people on these medications for long-term. So uh, my, you know, part of my job is making, is saying, hey, you're hiring me for, to optimize your muscular system and your exercise so that you're, you can get rid of your pain and you can have the longevity benefits of exercise. However, all these things, these three things are affecting major things in your, you know, blood chemistry that are going to hold you back. So that's really my job. So he's helped. His podcast directly has helped me with that. And I'm curious at, at what point does that start to become part of what you focus on with, well, I guess you can say human, but you, you coach youth soccer, but you also have your, your, your day job, which is, I'm assuming working with more adults. Um, so what, at what point do you start to, you know, introduce this type of, you know, monitoring of the entire system or ecosystem of the body, I guess. I don't know how to word that. I'm not very scientific. Okay. Um, <laughs> so there's two, uh, you know, separate parts of my practice, right? You have the youth soccer stuff and that's injury prevention. Um, and then, you know, there's this day-to-day -day stuff that I'm doing, which is muscle activation techniques and training exercise training that goes along with that. Um, uh, so that, the, those are the two things that I do. So um, when it comes to um, people trying to come in here and get healthy, um, I, I'm plugging the whole ecosystem right away because, you know, the benefits, um, 
you know, I, I, I people that come to me are coming for long-term uh, benefits. They don't want quick fixes. They need sustainable exercise, things that are going to keep them moving for their life. Um, when it comes to the youth soccer piece of it, I can do, I'm looking at, um, essentially I can, because of this experience with muscle activation techniques, I can see an injury before it happens. If I can get, um, one-on-one coaching time with the kids, which, you know, I have a system to do that. I can, uh, see it within a couple minutes, uh, maybe two, literally two minutes. What are some of those things that you look for in that, in that first initial one-to-one meeting? Um, yeah. Uh, well, uh, the first thing I look at is their, their body literacy. How do they see themselves? Can they actually verbally give a description of their quote unquote pain or discomfort? So if they're coming to me, it's because something's off. Yeah. So coach Jen gets the call or, you know, the coaches (laughs) go, Oh, there's coach Jen. They send them over like on the trainer, like the athletic trainer. (laughs) Right. And that's fine. That's the system. So they'll come over there and he'll just say, okay, something weird happened with my knee, this and that. So first thing is I'm looking for that literacy because we have to be on the same page. And one of the big things I figured out really quickly was that kids don't, haven't had pain. They haven't had injury. Like we know it, especially the soccer coaches, right? Yeah. Of course. You know, we, yeah, we know what a pulled hamstring feels like. They don't. (laughs) (laughs) So any, so yeah, so that's one. And then, you know, that brings up, that could bring up a whole conversation about pain science that is totally uh, groundbreaking right now. That's the, that's the new stuff going on um, in the physio world. So um, they don't know what they're, they're trying to tell me. So that first, you know, that takes a few minutes and then I get them, I call it the table. So I have my little athletic training table and they take their cleats off and they get on the table and I look at their, the range of motion of their hips. So I'm turning a left hip in, turn the right hip in, out, and then I have them move their hips and I try, I'm, I'm asking them to control um, one segment at a time. So it's a, a, it's just their very specific range of motion assessment. And I'm looking for where it might be caught in the middle. So when you say I have a tight hamstring and there's this thing, it's kind of towards the bottom of the knee or it's in the middle of the hamstring or it's closer to the butt you know, we have, um, you'll see that tightness pick up in joints below and above it. So I'm looking for that map of where things are caught essentially or tight. And that's the, that's the initial assessment. And since most of them aren't, they're not adults, right? They haven't been chopped up by the surgeon and (laughs) (laughs) right. They don't have all these like the, they don't have the same imbalances as we do um, as adults because they don't have a history um, like we do. And 
So usually that that's one of the things that makes the time I can do this in two minutes. So that's, um, so that's the second thing we look at. And then that's where the muscle activation techniques specialty comes in because then I'm doing individual, uh, positional testing, positional meaning joint position. Um, so that's called a muscle test. And it's just, it's similar to a reflex test. And I'm literally asking the player to hold their leg in this position. And I'm going to apply a force. I'm going to push you. Can you hold it here? So what I'm, what I'm, the intervention there is me tapping into the nervous system and saying, hey, do you recognize what we're doing right now? Can you feel this? And it's a very immediate answer, yes or no. So if it's a no, then I continue to intervene on that area of muscles and activate those muscles that are involved with those positions. Man, that's, that's, um, so, and then, that, that's super interesting because I, I didn't even realize it when I did it, but I think I've gone through that series of testing before at, oh, it used to be called athletes performance. Now it's called Exos, but that was like 10 mm -hmm. years ago. And, and as a, as a 20 year old athlete that was just there for, you know, soccer training, I didn't realize that I was going through like that whole series of testing that had so much meaning behind it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, muscle activation techniques is very big in um, like, you know, those type of settings. Um, yeah. Yeah. One of the things that they had me do was um, you know, like both feet on a line kind of like separated maybe, I don't know, two feet apart. And they had me hold like this PVC pipe behind my shoulders and mm -hmm. I had to do like a lunge mm -hmm. or like a squat. And just mm -hmm. from that that movement, like the guy, I think it was a guy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a guy. He wrote down like a series of just like a quick series of notes. And his I've never seen somebody's pen like move so fast. And then mm -hmm. that, that translated into all kinds of different problems. And, and one of the things that I was rehabbing at the time or not rehabbing, but trying to figure out what was wrong was like this knee pain on my, on my right side. And they ended up uh, telling me that it was something to do with like a, a weak glute muscle. So it's like, I mm -hmm. never would have associated that my knee pain was, you know, stemming from my butt, <laughs> but that's what it was. Yep, that, yeah. That's probably the FMS testing. Uh, the yeah. screening tool. Yeah. That's, that's very popular in the sports world. Yeah. I think it, they, I, I read, I remember reading something about it by a guy named like Gray, Gray Cook, I think is his name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. That, was, that was my I, introduction I, to yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's a quick tool. Um, and like all great simple things, um, it did reach the point of overreaching its capabilities. Um, <laughs> but explain is, that what, what do you mean uh, by that well um that 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 person in particular um created this movement screen and the movement screen is uh these foundational movements of squat lunge um single leg balance things like that and he said if you get, and there's like four scores that you can get, um, and they compare, they try to compare left to right. Um, and the screen uh, gives you a number. The closer you are 
to zero, I think it's, I don't know. Um, that doesn't matter. So <laughs> what, what he did, um, was he said, okay, if you score this much, you have this and this muscle imbalance. And that means, which is, which is okay. Um, so he said, if you have these three things, you have this movement imbalance, we can try to correct it by doing these three things. And then we'll retest it. And that part of it works because it brings awareness to for the athlete and the practitioner, and it gives some type of feedback, objective measurement, kind of objective measurement. Um, however, the overreaching part came when he, uh, the SMS people, started saying, "Oh, if you if you get this number." that means you're going to get an injury. Uh, I see. And if, and that is not, I, I find that very unethical. Um, you know, some, it, it's just not, yeah, it's just not true. And yeah. it's been proven over and over again that it's not true and they still do it. Uh. <laughs> um, and that's been, that's been going on for, it's the, I think, the more the the fact that it was coming back unreliable in groups of people and in really high level like we're talking about division one and nfl athletes um started coming back i mean we're this is eight seven eight years ago when that started coming yeah. back is unreliable and they are still out there smashing the pavement evangelical about it so um but as a one-on-one -on -one tool uh, and the way that you experience it, it's probably a it's a, the best way to use it when they're using it for full teams, and then and then trying to connect um, data points and um, maybe even planning their periodization with it. It's it's not or telling people that they're going to get injured. All those things aren't going to work <laughs> with the SMS. So I'm I'm curious then how. How does somebody like you work with an entire club like you work with? Um, it's in Maryland, right? You guys are in Maryland? No, Virginia. Virginia. Okay, geez. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so to all the Virginians. No, <laughs> I, and it's so funny because because uh, you mentioned it when we were, when we were exchanging messages that uh, that Ryan had been on my podcast. Ryan is the director of coaching for Alexandria. He's yeah, uh, yeah, our technical director. Technical mm -hmm. director. So Ryan was one of my very first guests when I didn't even own a <laughs> yeah. microphone. I would literally just talk to my computer. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, so Ryan was one of my very first guests. And uh, and so I, I've kind of uh, kept an eye on some of the programs that you guys have been running out there. And that's how I came across your Twitter and some of the stuff mm -hmm. that you've been doing. And I noticed um, that, that, yeah, that you're a professional in, in – the field of like strength, fitness, recovery, and, and whatnot. That's a terrible description. I know. I'm sorry, but, um, but that's, that's that, yeah. and, and, and that's why I wanted to bring you on the show to kind of explain how somebody with your expertise works with an entire club, because there's a lot yeah. of different facets to Alexandria soccer. Yep. So I work with the Academy, um, which is, one small part it is a it's a small part of our club okay you know um because uh the academy i i'm gonna just put this number out there it's about 400 kids 
Um, That's still pretty significant doing, size. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a big, it's a big club. So we're doing, um, you know, we're we compete in the EDP um, National League, uh, and then the local, um, yeah, whatever, and. So that's the academy, right? All the all the acronyms. Um, so that's the uh, local. That's the academy. That's where I focus. But the club itself, um, four thousand plus kids. Um, we have adult programs. We have um, our futsal program. So I work with the futsal ID program within the futsal program. So we have futsal um, for the recreational player we have futsal in the community because we've uh, along with u.s soccer have installed courts in the areas that awesome. need it the most oh yeah it's so cool it's, um, yeah so i can you know there's a number of uh futsal courts that we've um made from uh you know they were already basketball courts but we then now they're football courts. Um, awesome. <laughs> yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, that's been going on for like three years. And then we have uh, the football ID program in which we are 2002 boys are national champions. Wow. And yeah. And then they, that was in San Jose, California last year. So um, I'm excited to see what they're going to do this year. And um, and then we have the recreational program, which is very big. I don't even know the numbers for that. And then we have the travel program. So I just said 400 kids. That's the kids that I work with. So that's the 11, 11 plus aside. So that does not include the U12 and under, which the numbers are just increasing by every single season so um yeah alexandria soccer's gotten really big since i've <laughs> and i so i was a coach here at alexandria before um we professionalized the club i was you know coaching has always been part of soccer's always been a part of my life um and it's um my first love absolutely <laughs> And, um, so I was a coach for like, how old are those girls? Um, they were like U12, U13, and now they're juniors in college. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then about a year into that, uh, six years ago, Tommy Park and Ryan Rich started professionalizing the club. And a couple years after that, uh, they, we three created this role for me and Tommy, uh, the executive director and Ryan, uh, have both had basically rehab done by me and they, you know, Ryan had an Achilles tear. So I saw him post-surgery and then Tommy had a, massive foot injury where they had to like wire it and nail it back together. And, you know, he's, uh, so I was one of the things that the only thing that helped him be able to even fit his foot into a shoe from it 
from swelling. So that's a long story. But, uh, <laughs> you know, once we, you know, we had this experience of, you know, seeing the club get professionalized and, um, you know, even back then they put it in my ear that this was something that it was mine, you know, this is your baby. And, uh, basically go with it. So that's what I've been doing. And I've been doing that for about three, I'm going on the three and a half years of the director of injury prevention and fitness at Alexandria soccer. So how I operate it, um, I have a couple volunteers. I've, uh, I've had a chiropractor, I've had a nutrition, um, two physical therapists have come in and out to help me run the program. And, but mostly it's me. And what I do is I set up calendars and well, let's, let's back up one step. I look at it as a, I have three major arms that I have to, um, influence. One is the players. I have to, I am their coach. I support the travel, the academy program in fitness. So I'm writing off season programs. I'm writing football programs. I'm uh, helping them with warm up, cool downs, those sort of things. Um, and then fitness is um, done. There's, you know, extracurricular fitness, which is squats, lunges, you know, XYZ exercises without the ball. Those are important, but they're self-select, you know, players self-select and choose to work harder and choose to get better. And those are the players that I work with one-to-one. They can reach out, they can contact me on Twitter, on Instagram, email, and say, hey, coach, I am having trouble with this. Can you help me? So that's what I do for the players. What I do for the coaches um, is I attempt, now I say attempt because periodization <laughs> is very difficult in this environment that we're, we're five miles away from D.C., um, we're in a very academically competitive place. Um, these kids are overbooked. They're going from piano to soccer to rec basketball all in one day, afternoon, evening. Um, and then they have homework. And this is, you know, that's, that's, it's hard to periodize that. And we have a, a high school program and then they, a couple high school programs in our city that are extremely popular and um, competitive. So fun fact is our local high school is T.C. Williams, which is Remember the Titans with Denzel Washington. Uh. And yeah, so <laughs> their sports, their spirit there is just incredible i can imagine i coach yeah i yeah i've coached uh junior varsity and varsity girls there um and they've won state the boys have won state uh it's 
they have a lot of Titan pride, you know, and I, I work with <laughs> a couple of sports. I work with the field hockey girls um, who are state champions as well. And it's, um, it's awesome. It's, it's such a great, you know, thing to be a part of, but it's also really hard to watch. You know, we've got our 2002 boys who are trying to be national league competitors are also love, they love their TC com- camaraderie and they love their high school camaraderie. And, um, so that's hard to watch, uh, as a, as a fitness and a recovery expert. Right. So it's up to them essentially. Um, you know, they, they have to make that decision and I have to make them aware of the risk and best prepare them mentally and physically. So that's what I do for the coaches. Um, I, and then I go on the field, um, during team sessions, like there's, we got a big field and I set up my office. I call it my office with my table in the middle of the field. And if I'm there, the coaches and the players know that I can assess any injury or potential injury. Um, so that's a player and coach. And then sometimes the parents come along for that and I'm educating the parents on injuries. So my third in, uh, my third way to influence the club or the Academy program is uh, this, you know, blogging, general health promotion, YouTube, Instagram. So I have all these uh, channels set up, um, communication channels set up so that I can get the word out on this is concussion, you know, care. This is, um, this is what the research says about nutrition and menstrual cycles and injury. This is what um, I think is good for ankle injury prevention. Um, you know, I'm just, you name it. It's, it's just, it's coming out there. I'm <laughs> pushing a lot of info out there. Um, and for the, for the parents, for the whole community. And so, yeah, my job is three ways and I, um, love that I get paid for it, but you know, it's not the hours that I put into it. I, you know, I see this as, you know, much more important than helping a few players become their best. You know, I see this as, um, as doesn't matter where you come from, you know, we're going to give you the best here at Alexandria because, you're putting in the effort and you deserve that. And so does your team. And we can all play like, like the club, like the philosophy. And, you know, we can drive down the street and have great competition and give those people a great game, you know, a great match right down the street. You know, we don't need, you know, to fly to Oregon for your Nike ID camp and like, (laughs) you know, uh, um, to get this, to, to, you know, to keep the intensity high. Because that's what it's about, right? Like, is is giving our clubs, our neighboring clubs, the match, you know, the intensity. Um, bringing them into futsal. Introducing that to a whole Northern Virginia community, not just Alexandria. So, I want my kids out there giving it their best for, you know, for the club. And you know that that means a lot to me. I I, I really cherish that. And when you said that 
it's different than like this role that you've kind of created for yourself with Ryan and, and I forget the other guy's name. Um, uh, Tommy, to- Tony, uh, or Tony or Thomas. Mm, Thomas. <laughs> okay. Thomas. So Thomas, Ryan, and, and you created this role that, that you now occupy. And, and you said that, that this is more meaningful to you than, you know, having, you know, just like clients on a one-to-one basis. Is that because you can reach so many people in the role that you are in? So you can reach players, coaches, and parents, or is there like a, were you meaning something else by that? Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think it's, uh, really meaningful to help one person, right? Helping one person is just, a, a, I want to call it addicting on its own, right? Like being a part of someone's learning process and empowering them is the best feeling. And so when I get to do that on a bigger scale, I'm just eating it up. I love it. <laughs> that's, 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 that's why, you know, I do. I really do. I really enjoy it. And um, I'm good at connecting with, with kids. Like I, I, I'm a, I'm a good coach. <laughs> so, and do, do you actually uh, coach on the field or are you actually working um, like with your, with your own team? Of, oh, not as of right now. I don't have a time for that. Um, but in the, towards the summer and um, I'm going to be going on one of our international trips and that will be with 0203 girls. So I will be uh, probably coaching within that. So I have to get my feet wet. I have (laughs) the most recent, yeah, I have to get back into it because, you know, I, I look at the drills from a periodization standpoint and like setting tempo, not drills, activities. Um, I look at the activities (laughs) from setting, you know, tempo rest, stuff right so periodization stuff and um so I will stand along with the coaches and um help them with their timing and and their cueing on the field but uh that's it right now so the last coaching that coaching in the game that I did was actually futsal like last year and um that's super fun that's like such that's an intense like couple hours you're just because um, you'll get, you know, four or five games in. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, it's intense. And then, so the outdoor game, I haven't coached in a couple of years. So the last outdoor team that I coached are 2002 girls, and they were like, you know, U12 back then. They weren't even 11. Yeah, before they went to the large side. So, yeah, I'll get back to coaching this summer, though. That's I'm exciting. excited. That, that is yeah. exciting. So we've gone, uh, we've gone 40 minutes. I don't think I've asked one question that I sent you in the email <laughs> that we exchanged. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, how are you on time? I got about 50 minutes. Fif- 15? So now. 50. Okay. okay. So I, I, at, yeah, I got to go at like, you know, to in 50 minutes. Okay. Let's, uh, let's try to hammer out some of the stuff that we, that we exchanged okay. emails about then. Because uh, I, I I know that you just just by following you and some of your work on Twitter and and digging through some of the stuff that's on your website, I know that you're super passionate about a couple of topics. And okay, there, there was <laughs> there was one that actually caught my eye in the email exchange that we had, and you started to mention um, 
something about uh, flip flops and how players oh. right right after games, players will you know get out of their cleats and get into flip flops. But then you also mentioned that you worked with both Ryan and Thomas on foot injury uh, or, or recovery from like foot injuries or lower extremity mm-hmm. injuries. So I'm, I'm curious, is, is there something in particular about like the ankle, the foot or the, like the lower leg, like that, yeah. that has really captured your attention or. Oh gosh. And, yeah. <laughs> and so then my... explain, explain the sandal oh, thing ahead. too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll get, yeah. Okay. So there's a blanket statement that er- like everybody needs to hear this. If you've got foot issues, um, muscular, and most of them are, um, muscle issues, reoccurring ankle sprains, um, turf toe, bunions, uh, oh, I could keep going with the, the chronic type of foot injuries. Go see a muscle activation technique specialist. We are the person, we, nobody studies the foot muscles more than us. It, um, that's what, Okay, my teacher did say that, but I believe him. <laughs> um, so um, I, I'm very convinced that we know the feet. And not only do we know the feet, we respect them. You know, we're not, we really see their influence on total body motion. And so um, you want to, just as a consumer, like, really not steer away, but always question someone that wants to put you in orthotics right away. Like they see that as the only answer to your problems. Um, or, uh, yeah, you know, it, there, there's more to it than that. There's just so much improvement can be done by just strengthening the feet. So that's my blanket statement. Um, the the story of me figuring all this stuff out is it's you know this is the personal one um you know i tore my 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 soccer history is um you know the chapters start with different injuries right my story and this the best chapter started when you know i couldn't post uh two knee surgeries. One was an ACL reconstruction. Um, so this was, let's go back to, you know, 2006 or so. And my knee would not straighten. Anybody who has had an ACL repair knows exactly what I'm talking about. So it's called full extension. It's really hard to get back, um, especially with the patellar tendon uh, graft. So I'd been to chiropractors, I'd been to ABC type of doctors, and all they told me to do was stretch. Didn't work. So I finally came across just dumb luck, who's, you know, my mentor, what, you know, was a mentor, um, is a close friend, and her name is Ami. And Ami, we were both working in a gym, and she was a muscle activation technique specialist, and she said, I said, hey, I don't want to get another surgery, but my knee just won't straighten. And she was like, and there's some other points to that story that make it really interesting, but for a fitness person, but she, this knee was locked for years and she undid that thing in like 30 minutes. 
and it was gentle and it was intuitive at the same time. Like I understood what she was doing it, and she was confident. And that was different from any other health professional I've been to. She was like, you know what? I can answer your questions and I can help you. I said, oh my gosh, that's great. And she did. And she unlocked some flexibility in me that I had not had in years. <laughs> so then I just said, I'm in. I'm going to follow you around. Show me what you do. And then a year later, like I'm getting my muscle activation techniques, you know, specialist and and going to all these great classes on the nervous system and cadaver classes and just all kinds of great stuff. This really opened me up um, to thinking about the body, to thinking about the body. And that's key because if you go, most people with their, their physical therapist or trainer um, encounter is they're just taking stuff out of a list and giving you stuff to do. Um, but thinking about the body and seeing it as a, in a, in, in, in phys, as a, you know, a physical moving dynamic piece is different than getting a list of exercises. So, um, so anyways, what that became my obsession with the feet was that my knee, both of them got so much better and I unlocked all kinds of strength and flexibility and could play soccer again because of her working on my feet. So then I just, I said, I'm going to learn everything I can about the feet. And that's what I did. <laughs> so now um, I can see uh, their influence on the whole entire body. And I can help people engage them in their regular exercise. And I talk to people about cleats and cleat fit and then the flip flop. So, Here's another blanket statement. Flip-flop, change your gait. And G-A-I-T, gait, the way you walk. And that is, um, so, and the way that it changes it is because your feet are uh, maneuvering like a claw, like they're like grabbing something and you're not getting full rotation, pronation, supination, and you're not getting full ankle motion when you're in the the flip-flop and your feet your toes are doing the claw so when and then the the secondary effect of that the next guy up the chain are the knees so if you restrict motion at one joint you're going to restrict it at another joint which is also key for thinking about people who wear ankle braces all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so seen that one. You, yeah. And so when you lock up motion at one joint, you're going to do it at another joint unless you've had it like actually addressed. So um, with the flip flop, when you're doing the claw mechanism with your finger or with your toes, you're going to um, not get the knee to fully straighten. And you're also going to put it in a um, kind of like a, a crooked position over and over again. So that when you're uh, walking and putting your weight onto your knees, you're putting more weight on there and the muscles don't even have the uh, chance to respond to that extra weight. 
because the ankle's locked in to this like clawing motion. So it also has some effects at the hip, but you know, flip-flops obviously are nest- like great for the beach. Uh, <laughs> you're right. Like they, they have their place. They have their place. Um, they're, don't wear them at the airport just so you can not gross me out. number be a gentleman and uh number two um post and pre-soccer the last thing you want to do is put extra strain onto your knee like it's that's it that that to me like that's the end of the conversation (laughs) like just don't do it Maybe I should frame how I asked the question to you and how this came up. So in an email, I asked you what were some um, what were some ways or some tips you would have for coaches to get their players through a, a weekend tournament because that's something that's yep. so prevalent in in youth soccer in America is that you play you know anywhere from three to six games in a in a two day uh, two day turnaround. And one of your answers was don't wear flip-flops. And so now this is all making more sense to me. It's that, okay, so when you're Uh trying to, when when these joints and when like these muscles are trying to recover, you're actually putting additional stress on them by just wearing, you know, flip-flop sandals. And and it's making more sense as you're describing it. Yeah. So you can put on your Normatec gear on your sleeve, right? The the compression sleeve and then your flip-flops. Maybe that might help, but I doubt it. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Uh, yeah, that was like that recovery nerd joke. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's silly, uh, especially for the tournaments. Like, so here's the thing to understand about recovery. Um, we can get away with muscle compensations and overcompensations more than a few times. You know, our body is built for it. We're built for stress, right? Physical stress. And but when, but then when you open the window of vulnerability and then you put the flip-flops on and you're walking around with your claw feet, <laughs> you're, you're just not doing yourself any favor. It's just like an easy, it's, it's not an easy win. It's just like, don't lose easily. Like, it. it's like, yeah, it's not gonna, um, you know, it might save the day. It might save a couple knees like just in between the tournaments and they're walking around and stuff. But, um, and yeah, that's, that's, that's essentially, um, how the, you know, the idea of the flip-flop work, it's like, just don't hammer, don't stammer your recovery. Have you, have you noticed an increase or sorry, not an increase in injury? I want to make sure I ask this the right way. Because another guest that I've had on the show mentioned that studies have started to show uh, injuries occurring at younger ages. So not necessarily an increase mm-hmm. of injuries, but just injuries that were typically associated with, you know, 16 years of age and up are now starting to occur at like ages 12 or 11 or 10. Have, have you noticed any trends yeah. like that in your area? Yes. Yes. And um, I I have seen trends like that. Um it actually trends with being in a really competitive academic program as well. Um, so I think the overall mental fatigue uh, bleeds over into the physical fatigue. That's super interesting. Wow. I yeah. never thought about that. Yeah. Um, there also could be performance enhancing drugs at play as well, like Adderall. Oh, I never thought about that either. 
Yeah, that'll that'll mess your bones up. Like the you know, like the um, the mineral thing that I was mentioning earlier, magnesium and things like that. Um, that's another thing that could deplete, you know, your your minerals is the behavioral medicines that kids are using, um, or they're using it for performance enhancement on tests. Wow. Um, academically. Mm-hmm. I never thought um, about that. Yeah. It's yeah. So I've seen, and the trends of the injuries that I've seen in younger kids, like, yeah, younger athletes are, um, stress fractures in very okay. weird places, like, like the pelvis hip, like osteoporosis type of injuries. <laughs> Man, that's um, so, that's very discouraging to think that young kids are getting like things that used to be associated with elderly people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that. There's that one. Um, and then there's another factor that I think the tighter the cleats are, the less mobile the toes and um, intrinsic muscles, like the intrinsic joints of the foot. So I think that could be playing into more stress fractures as well. Huh. Um, yeah. So they're just like not flexible shoes. Um, I think that those, yeah, but I think it's the, the could be both hard to say, but um, <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's definitely something I've seen and like research wise. Um, it, yeah. I've seen, I can't think of something off the top of my head, but I've, I've definitely, you know, look for it in confirmation bias, uh, searches. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Oh, I'm right. I want, I want to, I want to try to knock out a couple of these questions because I think these are, these are things that will, will definitely help coaches and, and parents and players that listen to this podcast too. Um, one, one of the questions that I, I sent you an email, or it's more of just a topic, not necessarily a question, but what, what are some of the, the myths about youth soccer and fitness and where my brain mm. was when, when I was thinking about that was basically like at, at what age should people start considering, uh, doing fitness training? What ages are too early? So that's kind of like where my brain was when I was thinking about mm. the question, but mm-hmm. you, you might've taken that, uh, in a different way. So you might have a different answer or, or a different, um, direction to go with that topic. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. I have a, I have a knack for seeing, uh, the big picture. Um, you know, my, my, I think one of the things my, my brain does well at is, um, zooming out and seeing the mac- macro. That's you know, a skill wow. that not a lot of people have. That's awesome that you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, one of the things when it comes to fitness, oh, gosh, it's a uh, bias, you know, it's the coaches, And, you know, especially in Alexandria, I see it a lot um, because there's so we're like so culturally diverse and rich here um, that kids are like just doing what their parents are doing when it comes (laughs) to health. And so um, and I've had that confirmed like when I've been coaching the kid and 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 then their parent comes and like asks it's like they ask the same exact questions and I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like that's where you got that idea from. Um, so there's that. So, you know, when people are thinking about their health and thinking about, um, increasing their like markers of performance and like they want to get faster and things like that. Um, 
the first thing we have to do is, you know, say to ourselves, I believe, you know, I have the ability to do this and that there are answers out there. You know, there's, there's other things to consider, um, not just like my own experience. So if you're a parent and you are, um, you've got these questions at home from your player, you know, first and foremost, like don't give them the speech that this is what you did when you were, you know, one, um, it's hard to get them to, you know, listen to that story again. And then uh, it's just, you know, you, you, it's only your experience, like you're not an expert. So uh, there's other resources out there for that. Um, so, oh, gosh, I went off there a little bit. Um, so <laughs> the, the, myth, the myth that I see um, happening a lot still um, there's a couple generic ones, like people still love the stretch before they play soccer and play or just do activity in general, the stretching circle gotta go. They gotta go. <laughs> Are you um, talking about like the, so, like the, you know, sit there and count, like the kids will count to 30 or whatever, reaching for their toes. Yeah. Yeah. That's gotta go. Um, stretching is this, this is this is the thing. Stretching is not doing what you think you, what you think it's doing. And it's not just me saying that it's the research and a lot of other smart people are saying that. So what, it's what not is stretching doing, doing what you think it's whew, uh, stretching is um, <laughs> I call stretching a, it, you're fighting an eccentric contraction. Okay. So muscle physiology 101 is that, and most people do not know this, when I, when you ask people like, what do you think a muscle is? They'll give you an explanation that it's like bubble gum. Like, like it's pink and you can move it around like that. And that's not <laughs> it at all. So muscle is, um, it's, it's a, it's an tensile unit. So it's more like Velcro or a leather belt. So if we have two pieces of Velcro, the more that they overlap, the more tensile strength there is present. Okay? okay. So when you unlap the Velcro, that's a stretch. So you're fighting an eccentric contraction. You're fighting that release of the tension. And muscle itself, um, they, you know, in the reference I have, it's called joint structure and function. Um, that textbook says there's about 2% of muscle that actually has stretching material in it called elastin. There is stretching material at the tendon and that serves as a protective mechanism. So if the tendon stretches too far, you've got some serious receptors and messages at a very high frequency going to your brain to tell you to stop what you're doing. Stop immediately. You are stretching this too far. And that's what a stretch feels like. It's the stop button. Huh. Okay. That's your body saying stop. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, and that's, you're talking more about like static stretching, right? Correct. Or, yeah. Or does, or does dynamic stretching fall under this as well? Well, dynamic stretching was named very poorly. So yeah, of course. <laughs> whoever, whoever did that, like, you know, go to the same place as Bruce Arena and Donald Trump. And 
Like, just go there because you didn't you didn't do us any services. Um, oh, no, dynamic stretching. Funny. Yeah, dynamic stretching is just like uh, it's named that, but um, really, it's just uh, intentional motions. Um, you know, it's like it's like reviewing. You know, it's like a little flashcard before your test. It's not going to give you all the information that you need, but it's going to help. It's a little reminder. Hey, this is what we're going about to do. Yeah. This is the full range of motion. This is what we're going to do. You, are you down? <laughs> and hopefully the nervous system is like, yeah, I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's dynamic stretching. So, um, to, you know, just calling them dynamics is a bad, bad, better way to say it. So just start, start with that. Just call them dynamics. Okay. <laughs> Take the word stretching out. Okay. So just basically putting, putting a, a muscle or a group of muscles through, uh, like a, a preparation of what yeah. they might experience in a real game or, yeah. or, session. Um, or close to it. Yeah. Like you're saying, you know, you're just, you're just, you know, just saying, this is what we're about to do. Okay. This limb, you know, extremity and the, there's different ranges that you can do. There's, um, different tempos that you can do like the butt kicks and high knees like those are a high tempo but they still call them dynamic stretch like okay (laughs) um so you know different tempos um different intensities um yeah and then the the secret sauce for warming up is a um the word the term is called pat post-activation potination and potination is like just such a cool word. So um, <laughs> that that's number one. Like potination, just oh yeah, that's so. PAP is the secret sauce for warming up. So the reason why, like, you know, uh, that that would be like getting your muscles to be explosive, and then giving them a rest period. And then okay. right after that short rest period, so we're talking about 60 seconds of work or, you know, 30 seconds of work to 30 seconds, 60 seconds of rest. At the end of that short little cycle, you have got Pat. I'm so, confused. <laughs> oh, so high intensity warming up. Okay. Plyometrics, jumping um, in the weight oh, room, okay. in the college okay. weight room. Yeah, in the college weight room, like they've got, you know, um, they've got kids like squatting and doing, you know, pretty full, you know, lift before uh, at a certain time period before their games and stuff like to get that to elicit that uh, phenomena, the sweet sauce to get it to come out of the, you know, the physiology, essentially. So so, that's the stuff that really warms you up. So trainers now or science now is, is, is kind of leaning in that direction of doing that before, before games. So that's kind of mm-hmm. replacing a, a traditional warm up. Yep. So yeah, the strength and conditioning realm of things. Um, yeah. So a traditional warm up. if we could change that, like my warm up has, um, you know, the dynamics to start with, which is like a lunging pattern. And then um, just to open up the hips and get them to move um, through a pattern and, 
that would activate some foot muscles, some hip muscles, some core muscles. And then you incrementally increase the intensity so that at the end of the warm-up, they're doing plyometric jumps okay. with a little bit of sprinting. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think back now of like some some teams that I've studied or observed, and and just I mean, you can catch a little bit of it if you're watching like a Fox mm-hmm. broadcast or something. Usually, like right before yeah. the game, you can kind of see the guys, you know, jumping and landing on one foot, or you know, mm-hmm. they're kind of going through a series of sprints right before. Like that's the last mm-hmm. thing they do before they take the field. So this is kind of making yeah. sense now. Yeah, you know who does a the good documenting club is Byron. They've got a YouTube channel that they, they really do uh, put stuff on there. Yeah. Um, and then there's a couple little smaller other clubs that I follow that, you know, you see them warming up and it's, it's exciting for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I just read a study the other night. Um, it's an older study. It's from when Germany won or not. Um, when was it? It wasn't when they won the World last Cup? World Cup. No, it wasn't when they won the okay. last World Cup. I think it was from 2006. So it's a little bit of uh-huh. an older study, but they but they uh-huh. hired the guys from Athletes Performance. They hired Mark Verstegen yep. to come out and mm-hmm. and they did a they documented everything. And so there's really cool mm-hmm. stuff on if you if you look back on Athletes Performance original uh, YouTube uh, channel, uh, they yeah. have a lot of the videos. But there's there's a whole study on their existing website now, which is called Exos. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that stuff in there too. So it's just funny yep. how yep. maybe, maybe, I don't know if you're familiar with, with Mark Verstegen or athletes performance, but mm-hmm. maybe like he was ahead of the game and, and now everybody else is kind of catching up. Yeah, no, he's, he's definitely a pioneer in this like field of, um, yeah, not only like doing the, um, I'd say logical things of, strength and conditioning, but, you know, he's also, uh, recovery, you know, like he's one of the people that started that whole trend, Yeah, I would say of like teaching it and preaching it and, um, doing it, you know, yeah. he's, they have, uh, they had online memberships before, you know, anyone else did. So yeah, for sure. I remember one of the things that, um, stuck, that, that stood out to me when I first came across their stuff oh man it's more than 10 years ago this makes me feel old mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. uh was prehab he, he had labeled it prehab yeah, instead of that, rehab yeah, so exactly. injury mm-hmm. injury prevention was kind of a term but not really but but they kind of revolutionized it by calling it like prehab do these exercises yep. so you do not get hurt yep yep yeah so yeah for sure that that is his term i'm pretty sure yeah, so that was super interesting, and and I actually I had a chance to train with them, and I I think I've talked about it on the podcast before, but it was a really interesting time when I was down training at Athletes Performance. It was the first week that David Beckham was there. I was there <laughs> when when David Beckham and Landon Donovan met in the in the weight room for the first time. Uh, my trainer Scott Peary, who I, I lost track of where he was last time I saw he was with um, Red Bulls, I think, but. Uh, Scott was my trainer. He was also training Bob Bradley at the same time. So me and Bob were like on opposite sides of the weight room and Scott was bouncing back and forth between us. Um, but, (laughs) but, uh, going back to like the recovery thing, like that was the first time I ever had to do an ice bath. Oh my God. Uh I thought I was going to, I thought (laughs) I was going to die. Yeah. Um, I still haven't. Yes. I I had to do those in college. 
but that was for injuries. Yeah. Um, and so I did, yeah. I did actually the last day that I was there, I did ice bath and then, so it was ice bath, I think two minutes. And then I would run from the ice bath. I'd get out and I'd run to the sauna and yep. I'd do the sauna for 15 mm-hmm. seconds and then back to the ice bath and then back and forth until I was spending more time in the sauna than I was in the ice bath. Oh, uh, I thought yep. I was going to die from that too. <laughs> yeah. I haven't done that. My boyfriend's into that actually. But, um, <laughs> I just stick with the muscle activation techniques uh, yeah. form of recovery. <laughs> and I think that was um, the the idea behind it is that it was supposed to like like just shock the muscles. It was supposed to like activate the muscles. Like, hey, like don't don't switch off or something like that. Like turn back on. Yeah, there's um there's you know Stanford has a really cool lab, uh, muscle physiology lab, and you know uh, these tissues respond to temperature. Like you yeah. know the um, there's a lot of cool temperature stuff out there, temperature manipulation stuff out there, um, beyond, you know, the hot, cold immersion stuff that is, uh, you know, it's just showing that this is the muscles respond to this, you know, and the, you know, the thing is, is muscle tissue is regenerating and it, um, it's one of the only tissues that doesn't really get cancer. There's one kind of cancer that affects it. Um, and then outside of that, it's uh, constantly redoing itself. So if you know, you're know you stuck with an injury and uh, you can easily try, it's okay, it's like experiments, like try different things because the system you know, it's super responsive. It, it, it really is. So yeah, there's a lot out there in the temperature, uh, manipulation realm of things. It's almost like icy hot was ahead of their game too. Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny that you mentioned earlier about like kids kind of know what their parents were doing or what their parents taught them. And I remember growing up that my dad would just, he had a really, he has a really bad, um, he had a really bad leg break when I, I don't even know if I was born actually, but he, he fractured his leg in like seven different spots. And so ever since then he's had all kinds of problems, but growing up, he would always be putting icy hot, like rubbing icy hot religiously on his leg. And so that's always been burned into my brain, but it kind of makes sense though. Like the, like the icy, like ice and then, and then heat, uh, yeah, you know, 30 years later, 20 years later, it's like, that's becoming one of the biggest, uh, trends in like regeneration and and recovery yeah you know the other that the thing that like you we really should pay attention to are uh what the chinese have been doing for thousands of years like they're you know like they're they're there's a chinese like uh, you know herbal elixir like for that like (laughs) you know like there is and it smells terrible but yeah, I know all that. The, there's there's a lot of ancient wisdom, <laughs> but the modern application of it um, is way cooler. <laughs> yeah, no, I bet. Um, <laughs> I wanna I, I wanna try to maybe just ask one or two more of these questions, and then I know you're we're, uh-huh. we're running short on time now. Um, okay. Um, where did it go? Yeah, oh, the other myth that we should hit on. Okay. Is um, coaches doing their own fitness activities in training sessions? Say it again. Like 
coaches running their own fitness activities and training sessions in okay. their set in their team sessions. Okay. Um, the goal, like, and this is, you know, I still have to tell our coaches at ASA this, um, but it's, um, you want to give the kids an opportunity to self-select instead of making them exercise at practice. That's one, which is better for everyone. And number two, um, fitness uh, in the session should involve a ball and motivation and cueing and time. Those are the few things that you should be manipulating to get more fitness out of your session versus like having kids run sprints when they're already exhausted, um, having them run constant speed, uh, low speed, like for two miles, they don't need to be doing that at training. Yeah. <laughs> that's no, still, I think that's, that's still a thing. That's super interesting because it's, it's kind of like an old school, um, like an old school way of, of thinking, I guess. And mm-hmm. it's, it's very cultural as well. I think where I'm from, it's, it, it's pretty, it's, well, I wouldn't even call it diverse. There's, it's either you're like the white suburban kids or you're from the Latino or the Hispanic side of town. And so I worked wow. with a, a mainly Hispanic team, uh, mm-hmm. let's see earlier this fall. And the coach is, is completely just old school, old school mm-hmm. and has his, his ways of how he learned things when he was in Mexico and, and doesn't really want to change anything that, that he grew up with. And I tried mm-hmm. to kind of explain to him, I said, like, Hey, like we just did a great, a great training session. The kids are exhausted. There's no reason for them to stay after and run th- like 30 minutes. Like he made them run around mm. the field for 30 minutes. It's like, Hey man, like they don't need to do this. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to be, we need to be prepared for the game. That's in two days. I'm like, dude, come on. Like you're going to kill these yeah. kids. And then they ended up losing. Yeah. Like, I think they ended up losing that next game, like six to one. And they were just exhausted at the end of the weekend. And yeah, I, I, w- I was trying to tell him like, dude, like this is why, like these are the reasons why. And he just doesn't, doesn't want to learn, but he's so stuck in his ways. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, it's, it's there, you know, we got to stop treating kids like adults in a lot of aspects. Um, they're there to learn and their bodies aren't grown yet. Neither are their minds. Like we can't, you know, that might work for a 25 year old, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> It wouldn't work for me. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. No, not me either. Uh, I was, I, that's how I, you know, that was one of my signatures. I would cheat on those runs so bad. (laughs) I was, I was just bobbing, getting far away and bobbing my head. Um, (laughs) I was, yeah. Anyways. Uh, yeah. So I, um, yeah, I, when, when I, when I approached that with a coach, um, I used to be kind of mean about it. (laughs) and try to like just put them in their place and say you know this is not going to elicit the response that you want and you're wrong like you haven't you don't we've come so far but now um there's all kinds of cool like data tracking and gps tracking where you can show like if you do a 4v4 plus 3 activity that, you know, you can elicit um, what a mid, you know, positional fitness in a game that you can match it up. So, um, but, you know, it has to do with the the tempo and 
respecting the game. You know, at, at, really, soccer is not all running. It's mostly walking. <laughs> like, and then little bits of speed in between. Yep. So if you're making your kids run like continuously, like you're just not respecting the game. Like that's just not your, yeah, they're, they're not there to, to, to rock and become military. You know, that's, that's not what this is about. Like use the game as a motivator, use the, use the philosophy of your play as motivator. Um, I don't know. It's yeah. But that's how I approach it now. I just say, look, there's all kinds of cool data things that you can do now. This this isn't right anymore. So that's the new way of doing it. Old Jen was very upset and very mad at that. <laughs> One of the funny things that, that came out recently was when Stanford, when the Stanford board or Stanford men, sorry, won the mm-hmm. uh, the national championship just a few weeks ago. All the guys that like ripped off their shirts and they all running around the field. And, and some of the memes that came out after the game were like, are these guys wearing sports bras? Like, what are they like? What are these kids wearing around their chests? But they were. Wearing <laughs> oh, the, yeah, the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> they were wearing the monitors and just yeah. people. People are still trying to catch up to to seeing that as like just regular, like commonplace. Because I would say yeah. more often than not, athletes are, are wearing some type of device these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're going to get, they're going to get smaller. Um, they're going to get, yeah, that, that's going to evolve. Um, and hopefully, you know, help Americans, uh, yeah, help people see that, help a new generation of soccer coaches, you know, understand that, you know, the game is a great fitness tool. your small activities are great i mean they've been studied there's some great studies on small-sided activities and heart rate and uh touches you know how many times how many reps they're getting and um all that stuff is you know it's out there it's 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 old news now so yeah that's one of the things that we that we've mentioned before and some of the stuff that we do it's like you don't necessarily need to, you know, run laps around a field or do sprints if you're kind of manipulating a four versus one little keep away game or three versus one keep away game and you manipulate the time that the players either have to stay in the middle or just, you know, execute the exercise just in general. That's yeah. beca- that becomes that becomes fitness that they their heart yeah. rate stays. No, in like, a, ron- yeah, our rondo activities. I even have something called rondo runs where they do little sprints inside the rondo in between. Oh, okay in between the ball, you know, touches. Yeah. You get two two minutes of rondo, one and a half minute of little rondo sprints, small rest, repeat. There's a yeah. fitness session for you. Yep. Like if you really wanted to do that like in you know, in the winter or the summer. Yeah. And the and the cool thing about that too is is that the kids, the players, don't necessarily associate that with like, you know, punishment or fitness. Cause I I remember reading something about like kids kind of fall out of love with with strength and conditioning and fitness because it was always used as a punishment so it's like oh yeah. you, you messed up okay run four laps or something like that or you know yeah or... you know what i mean yeah there there's a couple of like kids that are gonna love that like i was one of those kids i was like oh it's sprint time awesome i'm gonna kick everybody's butt like <laughs> i was that was i was i was that kid yeah. but everyone else no it's not it's not yeah no i, I think um, that especially soccer, like soccer has a place for every type of body. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. developmental wise. 
Um, and uh, not every single body, like your genetic makeup, is good for long distance running or good for sprinting. Exactly. Like, yeah, like some of these kids, like that, you know, um, yeah, I mean, sprinting will feel good for some athletes and this, you know, a long run will feel terrible for that athlete as well. Yep. So I don't know. It's yeah, I, I get that. I, I, I'm, I subscribe to that, that punishing kids through exercise is, um, probably a unhealthy and a bad idea, especially, um, yeah, going into like the social aspect of it, uh, with girls, you know, um, and it's almost a form of body shaming in a way. And, you know, it's just not positive. It's just not good. Like, yeah. it's not what we're there for. We're there yeah. because kids want to play with their friends. Like, that's why we're here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, like, you know what I mean? Like, I know what like, you mean. I, this is going into a realm yeah. where I'm, I'm kind of like the, it's funny for me to talk about this because I'm, I'm, I'm not really into the whole, you know, just play for fun thing i'm i'm i take it way more serious than i think most people do but i have to kind of you know rein myself in sometimes and, and remember like not everybody is trying to become a professional player not everybody is out there to mm -hmm. become you know the next uh messi or or pierlo or donovan or, any, or something like that like that's not everybody's yeah. goal and and but it is you know it, it's everybody's like it's our families you know it's their goal is to create confident leaders mm -hmm. and that's what we're doing you mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. play well with others number one rule of life <laughs> of course of course hey so yeah maybe maybe we can end with uh with this question or topic i kind of i threw to you in an email if, if there was something uh that you really wanted to get off your chest uh, a topic that you're that you're feeling passionate about or some new science or something that that came up is there anything that you want to kind of end on with uh with the listeners yeah um for, for coaches, um, I would say uh, some really cool stuff um, that I've been reading about is about, you know, cueing and um, motor learning. So, and, you know, the language that you use as a coach can really influence a player. And when I say influence, I mean, you can speed up their learning if you cue at the right time and in the right way. So instead of telling a player, don't do this, you can give them just be more constructive and specific. Don't beat around the bush. And it's, it, you know, we're, we're still at the core of what we're doing. You are a teacher. Do not confuse your players with don't do that kind of talk and have them in a negative feedback cycle. And it's not just like me saying this, like as a good communicator and like, even like as an empathetic female, like I'm saying it because I've seen, I've seen research on it now, you know, we can, we can really uh, program our language to help kids learn. So think about that when you're planning your training session, think about how you're going to cue, 
So that's like really, that's a really special thing that you can do for their learning process. Um, and cause you know, it's, it, and so I say that as a fitness person because um, when it comes to language that we use with fitness, um, we don't want to punish, you know, we want to motivate, we want to empower, we want them to complete their thought process, right? So when you mix up like different parts of um, trying to explain body language and trying to over explain something, you're kind of ruining it. So uh, as a fitness person, I see it all the time, uh, cueing uh, can be a make it or break it for the exercise. And if you only have 10 seconds to explain something, get your cues, right? Um, I think, uh, something, something on that, on that topic or on that, on that note is coaches need to be very, very well prepared and they need to know the ins and outs of what they're teaching. And a lot of times I feel yeah. like that's where, yeah. that's where coaches fail is that they don't necessarily know the ins and outs of what they're trying to teach to these kids and Absolutely. that become that that ends up being a mixed message or a negative message to the player. Yeah. So I, I feel very strongly about that when it comes to fitness. Um, you know, you don't know it all. Like if you're a coach and your club is not providing you someone like someone like me, go out and find that someone. There are plenty of hungry, like small business owners that are in the fitness realm of things that can help you, can assist you that will draw up programs for you. There's plenty of online resources for this kind of stuff too. So yeah, I mean, you know, focus on what you know, and yeah. especially when it comes to fitness stuff. Um, and then for parents, um, I would say if there's one thing um, you can do to help your player be um, to grow and develop physically and learn about their body is, um, you know, don't give them NSAIDs for their pain. Don't give them Tylenol and Advil. Uh, it's not like that, that shouldn't be part of the normal routine that really can do damage to your children. Um, if you're going to do that, make sure it's under medical supervision. If there is a constant need for Advil in your house, with your soccer player, go to a doctor, make sure like that, you know, they can live with a little bit of a limp for a few days. It's let the body do the healing naturally. Um, and, and on top of that, you're just, you're starting a deleterious cycle of, of uh, band-aid type of thinking and like absolutist yep. type of, you know, and I, I just, um, that breaks my heart. Like it, you know, we don't need to be contributing to, um, their stomach lining and chronic disease and things like that. And, um, so learning as, as a parent, one of the best things you can do for a young athlete is frame, frame, frame it the right way. This is sports. Some injuries are unavoidable. But the good news is a lot of them are preventable. You are in control of your body. You have all that you need right at your fingertips, especially as a soccer player. We don't even have equipment. They're cleats <laughs> and chin guards. Like, and, um, you know, you, 
you're, you, you can rest one extra day if you need it. You know, there's no rush, especially when it comes to concussions and stuff like that. Um, when there is inflammation present in any way in the brain, in the joints, in the muscles, you can rest an extra day. It's okay. And give your child the opportunity to talk about it instead of freaking out if they come back in home, at, at, come home in a little bit of pain. Because, you know, the first children, <laughs> um, I've dealt with a lot of families and, you know, I've dealt with their first child and I've dealt with their last child, like <laughs> totally different attitudes, you know? And so like when it comes to their physical fitness, like in physiology, their tendons and muscles aren't really done growing. So growing pains are totally normal and they probably don't hurt as much as kids say they do, but you have to give them the opportunity to say that it does hurt, but don't like jump all over it and like put more anxiety onto an injury that's not even there. Um, And uh, I would say um, for that purpose, like when it comes to exercise, um, kids, when they, I think when they, like at our club, when they are transitioning to 11 aside, so that's the sixth, seventh grade uh, age range, when they're transitioning to 11 aside in competitive soccer, that is when they have to, in my opinion, start taking responsibility for their own fitness. At U12, when they're playing 8v8, there are so much to learn. And it's, you know, they're just trying to operate in a small space, like just let them do that, right? But then when they transition to the bigger field, you say, oh my gosh, look at this opportunity that you have. This is a big field. Look how big that goal is. All of you, you and your whole team have to defend this whole field. Don't you think you need to be a little bit more fit for that? And then... (laughs) That's when they that's when they can start self-selecting and owning their fitness. And you do that just a little bit at a time. Um, in my conditioning guide at the uh, soccer club, I've divided it down to, hey, if you're playing two to three times a week, this is how many times you should work out. If you're playing five to six times a week, you should probably do about this much exercise. So you're trying to teach them ratios of like how much effort they put on the things on the field and off the field. And that's the way to build a program is ratios. You spend one hour doing this, uh, you know, essentially crediting your account. How much do we have to debit? How much effort do we have to put into exercise off the field to make up for that, you know, deficit how much like physical effort and muscle recovery and nutrition so um that you know these are like just logical ways to look at it and i um you know and i and i wouldn't say like you know fitness is absolutely necessary like at every single season you know i mean sometimes they need a rest like Focus on getting eight hours of sleep. That'll do more for your injury prevention than anything else. Um, <laughs> like, uh, but, you know, it's, it's about, you know, teaching them management skills versus, like, you have to exercise. 
um, when it comes to their physical fitness. Like that's, especially from the parenting end of it. Cause, um, yeah. And then I would, you know, and anybody that's in really competitive soccer, um, in the, you know, the EDP, ZCNL, DAs, et cetera, type of, um, leagues, uh, get your own specialist, muscle activation techniques, chiropractor, physical therapist, because there are going to be bumps and, and bruises along that road. Absolutely. Because your expectations for training are high. You have to come ready to train at hard every single practice. And that's how you, um, you can't do it by yourself at that level. Like you really do need a specialist. And um, it might not be expensive at all if you do it on the preventative end. And uh, make them part of your, like, coaching team, you know? They're learning about their body from this person. And I think, um, I think we, I'd like, that would be great if um, we took that attitude in the competitive soccer. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, uh, I appreciate the hour and a half that you gave me. I need to stop asking people for 45 minutes of their time because I <laughs> never, I've never had a 45 minute interview out of 70 <laughs> interviews now. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking forward to this all week. I love talking about my work at ASA. It is, um, it's just so much of a passion and I just can't wait to see, you know, our club grow and the game grow and, it's, it's an honor. So I'm happy to, yeah. I'm looking forward to it all week. I appreciate, I appreciate it. And I'm going to, I'm going to package this episode with, um, some of the links from your website and some of the other stuff that I see you kind of, you, you have on Twitter. I'm going to dive through the Alexandria website as well and give people as many resources oh, yeah. as they possibly can to kind of get them off to a good start. And, um, and if they have questions, I'll know our, where to look. Yeah. We just updated our, um, Alexandria soccer blog. Um, so my, I don't, I don't know how they organized it, but they, they've made it, it's all on medium now. So it's really well done. And I've been blogging on that monthly regularly for like two years. So there's That's a lot awesome. of info on there. Yeah. <laughs> and then I post a lot of exercises on YouTube as well on my personal, not personal, my business, one of my business accounts. So, um, I'll send all that over. So that, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and, um, and best of luck to, to you guys out there. And, uh, I think this is, this is going to be a, a good time for me to actually reach back out to Ryan and get him actually back on the show, because I want an update for how the, just the overall club and, and recreational program and all the programs that he's involved with and that you're involved with as well. Oh my goodness. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that'll be cool. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And their YouTube channel as well. You can see our playing style and just how um, committed we are to, you know, teaching and growing the game um, and that, you know, com being competitive and winning is um, a side dish, you know, like we're, um, yeah, it's, it's a great thing to watch. So everyone keep watching Alexandria soccer. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks Jen. Um, yeah. Have a good rest of your day and, and I'll catch up with you again soon. Okay, thank you so much. All right, All right. bye. See ya. All right, thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 
podcast. And thank you to Jen Schwartz for coming on the show and for that great conversation. I had a lot of fun talking to Jen and I've had a lot of fun interacting with her um, <laughs> since we actually had our conversation. So we've been sending each other little notes and she's been sending me some studies uh, about some of the topics that we talked about. And like I said earlier, I, I really, really recommend following her on social media and you can find all the links to her profile and to Alexandria Soccer's work in the write-up of this podcast at 343coaching.com. And while you're on 343coaching.com, you can explore all of the benefits of becoming a member of the 343 Coaching Education Program. And that program is what funds this podcast. So if you're looking for a way to support this podcast and to help us keep the lights on here, try looking at the membership. That's where you get access to cutting-edge training techniques that have been proven to develop better players, smarter players, better teams, and smarter teams. So you can find all of that plus more at 343coaching.com. That's the numbers 34 and 3, coaching, all spelled out, dot com. All right. As always, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning in. And we will catch you guys next time here on the 343 podcast.